Hey guys, welcome to the After Church Podcast, where we take what we hear on Sunday and apply it to our lives on Monday. Today we're in week three of the Roman series, and we're covering uh, chapter 1, verse 18, through chapter 3, verse 20, and it is a heavy section today. We're going to be talking about the sinfulness of man, the nature of sin, the wrath of God, and how we even suppress the truth. So a lot of heavy topics today, but... Uh, do want you to know we're going to end with some good news. The gospel is good news. And so uh, be ready for all of that. Anyway, today I'm going to be joined by Kurt Petersheim from the East Campus and Cameron Moore from the South Campus. So let's get into the podcast. Well, what's up, guys? How's it hello, going? Hello, hello. Kurt, hey, good to up? see you. What's up? Cameron, what's also up? known as Cam. Hey, hey there. Good to see you. Thank you. How's the uh, South Campus doing these days? Solid. Sweet. South, south, south Side, South man. Side. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys have gang symbols when you say South Side, or do you just... Uh, not that I can show you. Oh, I see. How about the East Side? We're not. How's the East Side doing? You probably should. Like we shouldn't. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. East Ridge. Good. East Things are Ridge. well, yeah. Well, we're in the Roman series now. Yes, like this is our third week in the Roman series. Deep in it. And last week we covered two verses. And this week we're gonna cover two hundred <laughs> verses. Chapters. So, <laughs> so I feel like um yeah. I mean we could banter for a minute if you'd like. We probably need to jump in. I did want to start by asking a question though. Um and and I have a story if you don't have one, but have you ever made like um an exchange, or you traded something, or you bought something. That's that's an exchange of sorts. You give money, and you hope to get something that you thought, nope, not worth it, or you just got who, dude, just wasn't what it's supposed to be. I uh, back in I guess October, early October. Like, well, we don't really have TV service, and I really only want to watch sports. You know, mainly baseball when it's on. So, like, the playoffs were coming. And it's always a struggle to watch the Braves. They're Ugh. only on certain, it's I guess, awful. like Valley Sports or whatever it is. Yeah. But so I was like, oh, I'm going to try to get a subscription before the playoffs start, right? And it was like a week left of the season or something. And um, so, long story short, so I bought this subscription on MLB.tv and it said it was like 50 bucks. You could watch all the playoff games, starting with the games that are currently on. And any game all the time is what it said. Mm -hmm. Any game all the time, like whenever you want to watch. So I bought it. Literally after I bought it, there was a game on at the moment. So I was like, oh, cool. So I went to the Braves game. I clicked it and it said, this game is out of your area. And I was like, <laughs> what did I just pay for? Like, this doesn't make any sense to me. And I immediately canceled the subscription. I was like, this is the dumbest thing. I'm not paying for this. So I don't know. That was the first thing that popped in my head. It was a lie. Like It was a straight up lie. Literally any game, anytime. Nope. Can't nope, watch not this. Not that one. I was like, what? How? Major so, League Major League Baseball has weird rules. Oh, too, it though, made me so mad. I miss the days of Braves are just on TBS. You that's know, right, yeah, <laughs> 7:05 all the time. 7:05 that weird five minutes late. You got you, you got anything like that? I do. It's kind of sad, like oh, in, well. in a couple of different ways. <laughs> oh, but um, yeah, you bought so a puppy. And you the guys, puppy oh. well, you guys know, um, like the first guitar that that I purchased with my own money was a Gibson uh, Faded Red Flying V. Yeah, baby. That oh, I played here in church. Like This is how I always awesome. picture you to this yeah, day. Yeah, man. And I, it was Rocking taller than me v. like when I bought it. Like, yeah. it was huge. And I played but for this, people like, who don't know what that Cameron, is. Yes. It is like... It's, it's an obnoxious guitar. It's enormous. Giant. It's not obnoxious. L Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> Lenny Kravitz always played one. Has the, yeah, the big yeah, V yeah, yeah, yeah. flames out at the bottom. I took East Church to the next level. Oh, but you rocked with that. that. <laughs> but um, later, like in high school, maybe early college... Um, I was playing uh, with this band, and, and I was looking for a hollow body, and I really wanted a hollow body guitar. 
so there's this guy that that we knew is like kind of like a family friend of um of some of the band members and so he had like so many guitars at his home um like like 200 guitars in his basement oh, wow. that he just collected he was retired and, mm-hmm. and uh, so i just i took my flying v just thinking like i'm looking for something that um like a hollow body and he he has like super nice guitars and some that aren't that nice he just collected all sorts and so i i got this uh brand that i'd never heard of it was a hollow body it wasn't the best but i was just the plan was to leave my guitar there and play this one for a couple months see how i liked it um so traded it was super noisy um i i still have it don't don't ever play it um and anyways during the time period that like i i had that guitar made the trade um not a good trade uh he he ended up passing away um yeah this is a ter- terrible story sad story um so and i didn't so his, his i don't i guess my guitar is still over there oh I, so you didn't feel you don't feel right like going back and going like going back to get your guitar just so you know like i, I had made this trade with <laughs> yeah um so i haven't figured it out now I feel like okay. now it's been years. I and can't years. laugh at that. I know. I'm sorry. What do we? Gosh. Yeah, crazy story. I wasn't, well, I wasn't sure if I should share it, but um, that's, that's a good was, segue into this one. section of scripture because <laughs> it's well, a bummer. Well, I, I do have one art. So you have big sports metaphor in, in music. So let me at least go. Uh, I had saw these things on a um, Facebook ad. That should be the first indication that this is going to yeah, go bad. Right. It was a Facebook ad. And there was these. Um, I was getting a Mother's Day gift, and I think Alanda, my wife, found them, and she was showing me. These enormous flowers, uh, flowers that like um, doubled as they were like made of metal, kind of that artsy yard yeah, art, yeah, yeah, yeah. metal shtick kind of stuff. And in the center, so think about how big this flower would be. Within the center, three or four birds were on the middle of it, where that's where you put the bird seed. So you put these things out in your garden, and they had pictures, you know, where they were in these enormous things in the garden. Multiple birds, you know, pecking out of the little center of this huge, beautiful painted flower, right? Uh-huh. So we order one for every female <laughs> related to us, probably like five or six of these things we're going to give away for Mother's Day. And they all came in one package. I mean, they're expensive, right? I'm like, like 50 bucks maybe each. It was, a, it was, right. was an investment. They came in packages this big, little cubes. The flower was about this big, <laughs> total. <laughs> the center of it was maybe this big. You could put a little bird seed, like a little bit like that. It was, a bird couldn't even land on it. It was like oh, it stood man. this tall. It was yeah. this tall in the garden, so you couldn't see it. And if a bird landed on it, it'd go. Hey. <laughs> it was tiny little things. And I was so angry. I was like, what you a, lied. You lied to me. What a terrible exchange. Exactly. <laughs> that is the best segue ever, yeah, Kurt. Uh, thank you. So, so we're talking about these bad exchanges that are made, and mm-hmm. um, Paul in Romans, uh, the, the uh, uh, section of Scripture we're covering today is Romans 1, uh, 18 through 320, I think 20, it is. Yeah, massive so a, chunk of Scripture. With, a, or with a, a ton of stuff we could talk about for hours and hours and yeah. hours, but we'll, we'll try to narrow it down. We'll at least talk about this exchange. What is happening in this exchange that Paul talks right. about? We'll cover some of the, the key scriptures included in here since we can't read the entire thing. And if we read the entire thing to you, you'd probably just be like depressed and go, eh, this is terrible. Sin is bad. God is going to get me. So let's just start there. <laughs> so let's, let's 118. I would yeah, just start yeah. reading about reading 118. And uh, it says, my version says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of those who by their wickedness suppress the truth. Mm. So that's the beginning. That's the beginning of, and it's going to get worse from there, really, uh, today. But 
For the wrath of God, what is the wrath of God revealed from heaven against ungodliness and wickedness, which is sin? Right. And so we're going to try to describe yeah. what that might be. And then just that last part of suppressing the truth, what is what are the, what do those things mean? So yeah. let's just start with the good stuff. What Super is good what stuff. is what is yeah. what is sinful? What what does it mean by being sinful? What is unrighteous? Well, I think that that's a pretty good definition of what it means to be sinful, right? Godlessness that kind of fleshes itself out in, I think both of our versions say wickedness. Does yours say mm-hmm. wickedness, Cam? Or yeah. Unrighteousness? Yeah, it says godlessness and wickedness. Wickedness. Both or other translations say unrighteousness. Uh, in their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So I think that's a... And really this section right here, 118 through the end of 1, is a, I think a good sort of... Um, explanation of the nature of sin, right? That that is who we are, that we are godless in our un in our in our, in our unregenerate, if you want to use a Christian word, mm-hmm. or pre-Christian, non-Christian nature, um, sinful nature, that we are godless. We push God out of our lives, out of our minds, out of our hearts, don't want to know him, don't want anything to do with him. So it needs to be godless. And then that fleshes itself out in wickedness. Um, so it's sort of this inside out expression of I don't love God, want to know God, want to have faith in God, want to follow God, and so I want to do what I want to do in wickedness and unrighteousness. So. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, like, you can't help, apart from Christ, you can't help to be godless, because, yeah. and we'll get into this a little bit later, um, your attention is going to be devoted to something or multiple things, like you're going to worship yeah. something, and, and with this, like, if you are apart from Christ, then it's... You're not going to be worshiping the Creator. You're going to be worshiping created things, yep. which is which is where it goes into. You know, like yep. yeah, and that's where we'll go. Like, but you can't help. Like, your attention is going to be on on God, or it's going to be on a thing or multiple other things. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. So why do you think that is? Why why would we focus on the created rather than the Creator? Or as uh, Paul says, the we we well, we'll get to exchange. We'll get to right. exchange. Let's do that now. Um, yeah. Some of these key verses. Um, can we talk about you before we do that? Yeah. You asked about suppression too, right? Like yeah. that suppression of the truth, um, which I think then is really what he's fleshing out with these exchanges. But that, like holding down, you mm-hmm. know, um, as I was kind of looking up that word and Greek idea, it was um, the picture I kept getting was like what I do to my dog sometimes. Like if he's strain, like if we're on a walk and he sees a deer, he's gonna pull on me, mm-hmm. and it's me going like grabbing him back, like holding him back, or a kid. Um, I kind of use this illustration in the, in the message about like a kid. If your kid like starts talking in church, you got like a toddler and they start like yelling. You're kind of like, yeah. no. it's like to hold down, to hold back mm-hmm. from its full capacity. Right. And so, gosh, we do that with the truth of God. Mm. Do you know, like what, what he has revealed about himself and who he is and what his gospel is, as we've been talking about in this podcast, mm-hmm. that our suppression of that truth is to go like push it down and make it not effective, not applicable to our lives, mm-hmm. so to speak, which is the saddest thing in the universe. Yeah, we used a quote last week talking about how uh, the gospel or the truth is kind of like a lion. You just open the gate, and it's it's going to do its thing. That's a great... But yeah. when we close the gate and press it down, yeah. we're suppressing what really yeah. is going to happen. Yeah, as and if we could really, but right. that's what we do, right? Yeah, we try to. Foolishness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so then here's just a couple of the uh, verses we'll hit, uh, or I'll, I'll just give you some highlights of them. In 120, it says that uh, all are without excuse, and we had mentioned if this is a letter written to the Romans, we talked about the two different groups of mm-hmm. people, the Jews and the Gentiles, and that's a, a huge part of why this letter was written, so that they would yeah. be reconciled and live in unity. So uh, Paul is making the case at the very beginning of the letter to say, Gentiles, this is you, 
you're without God, this is you. Um, but he's going to get to then in verse uh, chapter two. Hey, and Jews also, also you, right? Like everyone yeah. is, has fallen short. Think of you're God, better because you have God. the law, but no, really. yeah. <laughs> so uh, for chapter yeah. one, verse twenty says, "All over that excuse." Uh, right. In one twenty-two, he says, "Claiming to be wise, they became fools." So mm-hmm. we kind of trick ourselves, and then we get to one twenty-three, which is where we start hearing these exchanges. Uh, and it says, "After claiming to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God." Mm-hmm. For images resembling a mortal human being or birds or four-footed animals or reptiles, which sounds like that's even worse. Like, okay, yeah, maybe you idolize people, but you even idolize animals and stuff too. So that lizards. was the first of the exchange. <laughs> what? <laughs> reptiles? I idolize lizards. So there's there's the first exchange. What yeah. do, what do you what do you hear in that exchange of you know, God for images or idols? Good. With yeah, with glory and and Kurt wrote this message too, so I'm sure you'll hit on this. But like glory, you, you described it as it's it's weighty, it's this heaviness, it's something of immense value. And and when I think about that exchanging of something of immense value, and we've exchanged it for um, lizards, as we said, <laughs> for whatever, for birds, yeah. for and, and just yeah. not even the real thing for just images too to mm-hmm. to put up, you know and. And we've exchanged this this heaviness, this this value, um, our God for for images, things of no value. And I think um, about about what they symbolize, and and really not even what they symbolize. Like this is this is real gold, you guys. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's not as much if you're as listening. Um, he's holding up a wedding ring. A, right. yeah. a real, <laughs> you're just listening. Yes. And anyways, Chris's yeah. ring was was. Um, much more than mine was, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and it would be like like taking her ring and and going and getting a quarter and switching out with one of the ones at El Charo, like going into yeah, one yeah, of those yeah. like little machines and, little ring, and getting a, ring. a little plastic ring, and that's like almost yeah. like the equivalent uh, mm-hmm. of what we've done. We've just gotten gotten a, a fake version of it, you know, and trying to make our own one and, mm-hmm. and the thing like it. And this way is like some, and, and you get that, and it's plastic, and it breaks like mm-hmm. you know a couple minutes later when you put it on your finger, like yeah. Yeah, this 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 weighty thing, and we've exchanged it for something that is, it's not even twenty five cents. It's, yeah. it's worthless. It's a good way to put mm-hmm. it. And just thinking about the like exchanging the authentic, genuine article for whatever you mm-hmm. know. And by nature, right? If God is glorious, He is holy. He is the most valuable being that exists mm-hmm. than anything else, right? By by implicit nature, anything else is less valuable. Yeah. And everything so, is from him. Everything is from him. So yeah. why not go Absolutely. to the thing? Everything is contingent upon him. And right. so, yeah, to exchange any to him for anything is to make an exchange from greater value to lesser, which is madness, mm-hmm. right? Which is nobody in their right mind. We all just talked about ways that we have done that, but nobody in their right mind goes, that's a good deal. Right. you know. And that's why he says, we've become futile in our thinking. Mm-hmm. We're fo- like, how foolish are we? But we do this. Mm-hmm. And I think, and you kind of ask the why about that, of like, why do we do that? I, to me, it's just that is the nature of pride, right? To mm. when I think about this, I think about because we know that God is uncontrollable. He is glorious. You can't control him. We can't, he's the lion. To, you know, mm-hmm. and we think we can cage him up or whatever. But and we're trying to suppress that truth. But we know that we can't control him. And Isaiah forty hits on this a lot, right? That that chapter where he's talking about. Um, how how crazy it is that we make these little images, these little idols that are fashioned from the hands of men, made out of gold that topple and fall over, mm-hmm. but those become our gods. 
And the idea being whether it's a, a cell phone or my car or a person in my life that is a created being, that is something that I feel like I can exercise some authority over, some control over. Mm-hmm. I can touch it. I can feel it. I can hold it in my hand even, mm-hmm. and I control it. Not God, you know? And so, man, that's the that's pride in us, just going, I want something, and I'll call it my God, I guess, or I'll worship it. Even if I don't say that, I, I am. Mm-hmm. Just because then I can control it, mm-hmm. and I define that. And is that why you think we become foolish? Like, we think oh, yeah. we're wise in that I can control this, I can... Handle this yes, thing. That seems wise. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how many people who have a problem go? I mean, I don't. I don't have a problem. I mean, anytime. I, that doesn't control me. I've got this thing under oh, control. Yeah, that's, and it's hey, like, that's a good you, point. I mean, yeah. do you know you're Stop a fool? Stop anytime I want. Just don't want. To. <laughs> I had a professor that said that in college. I remember him saying, um, "We think we can. We think we own our stuff, but our stuff owns us." Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. the more stuff you get, it just owns you. You know, and that's, we don't even own our phones. I think that's exactly what them, Paul was. You saying. know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. well, I own mine because I have an iPhone seven. <laughs> <laughs> but it does. It begins to own us, right, mm-hmm. and control us. Yeah. Things that even we think we can control. Yeah. But Th- things that things yeah. that we in our culture have even. Um, Put up on a pedestal and said, "This defines you." It's mm-hmm. like maybe buying a house, right? Buying a house and some land. At least where we live out here, that like that's a noble would be considered a noble thing. Hey, yeah. go do that. And you're like, okay, well now I'm beholden to the bank till I get it paid off. Well, in that thirty years, I'm gonna have to do repairs. I'm gonna have to do like you have <laughs> yeah. to constantly work to get that thing and right. keep that thing and maintain that thing. And you can say that's not worship, but if you look at your checking account and the amount of time and things, you spend a lot of time. Making that thing, idolizing that thing, right, right, uh, that that home or whatever it is, and it's not mm-hmm. a bad thing in and of itself. It's that we could easily put it ahead of our God, yep. the giver of the gifts, right? You know? Yep. So that's the first exchange was like this idolatry. Let's see, and oh, and what happens with each one of these exchanges mm-hmm. is that God intervenes and says, "Don't do that." Nope. Nope. He uh, <laughs> well. He allows us. You're right. Um, God gives, gives us them over. up. Gives them up. Gives them over. Mm-hmm. Gives us up to yeah. our. Uh, in in 24 here, therefore he gives us up to the lusts. Or I'm sorry, in 23. Um, yeah, yeah, no, 24. Therefore God gave them up to the lusts of their right. hearts, to impurity, to the grading of their bodies among themselves. And then 25, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. So we went from hmm. this idolatry thing. Now we now we exchange the truth of God for a lie, and we worship the sir uh, worship and serve the creature rather than the Creator, who's blessed forever. Amen. Like he even ends that with a, some sort of doxology. <laughs> yeah. But still, he says, you know, man, you, you, we're still exchanging something, and the result of that is also going to be that for this reason we're going to be. He's going to let us do it. Yeah. So, idols, man, idols, lies. He gives us up, and in that section, well, you can talk about some heavy cultural stuff now, also <laughs> first century heavy cultural stuff, but in, in 26, for this reason, God gave them up to degrading passions. Their women exchanged natural intercourse for unnatural. In the same way, also the men giving up natural intercourse with women were consumed with passion for one another. Men committed shameless acts with the men, uh, with men and received in their own persons the due penalty of their error. I mean, this is, this is sad commentary on what it means mm-hmm. to have this life where we've exchanged the truth, exchanged the goodness of God, and said, no, we can do it ourselves, and then it kind of becomes this spiral yeah. Uh, yeah. to depravity, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, once we 
suppress that truth and decide to exchange his glory for what is less glorious, what is less valuable, Mm -hmm. his truth, which is the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth, right? Um, And so we exchange that for, for, for what? I mean... Any subjective truth, any opinion, any right. worldly idea. We 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 talk in our culture a lot right now about my truth, mm-hmm. and everybody kind of has their own version of whatever is true for them and how that works for them. And it's really it's opinion of man. And once we make that exchange, I mean, the floodgates are open to mm-hmm. us now living in that truth um, for those things which are less valuable, not glorious, not God. And then, goodness gracious, I mean, we have opened ourselves up to exactly what Paul describes here, and he gets to the end of this chapter with the last paragraph of just all these other things, too, of there's no limit to the mm-hmm. sinful application of that and how if if my truth is now my God, mm-hmm. I do whatever I want, you know? I believe Hitler's truth was that Jews should be exterminated. That, that was his truth, right? Who's to say that's not true if that's my truth and your truth is your truth? And so... Mm-hmm. I know that's an extreme example, but that is where this can go, right? It um, did go. And it did mm, go, right. for real. Um, and anybody who kind of gets to that point in their minds, I've suppressed the, God, the truth of God, and I believe my own truth. Who's to, who's to deny you that mm-hmm. and stop you from living however mm-hmm. we choose to live, apart so, from God's law? I mean, are, do you think, Cameron, do you think it'd be bad advice to just, you do you, boo? <laughs> I mean, just do you, man. Yes. <laughs> this is bad advice. Yeah, and again, I feel like I'm... Because we, yeah. we've talked about this before, like mm-hmm. as we're looking at these messages. Um, but Kurt, I remember you, when you're going through this, um, like I would never say that to Charlie or Rowan, like my kids. Hey, you do you. You'd do whatever you want to. you terrible parent. Like, yeah. What if we just said, hey, do whatever you want to? Um, and that's the thing, like as much as God has given them over he also has presented them with truth first you know mm-hmm, like right he here is the truth and and they're just totally rejecting it rejecting rejecting it you know and, and even in even in giving them over you can see mercy working in there because he gave them over and he didn't kill them mm-hmm. you know which which this is the sin that's killing them but then you see like that that god is he is kind. He has forbearance and patience. Mm-hmm. But don't you realize that God's kindness is intended to lead you to it's repentance? You, you know, like it's yeah. my favorite verse in this section. Yeah, yeah. That's so you see, one. His wrath and His mercy is still there because that's who He is yeah. for sure. But yeah, and that's the crazy part about all this too, with the wrath of God seeming to be revealed as Paul says this, and then shows us that He gives them over. It's like that's how Paul is describing this the wrath being revealed. That He's letting them do what they have chosen to do. Mm-hmm. And to bear the consequence, he says right there, right, that they have yeah. um, borne these consequences even in their own bodies, mm-hmm. you know, and had to now because they've been given over to their sin. Um, it, it will it will lead to death. It, like that's yes. that's what this, these passions will do, yes. is they will consume you, they will kill you. And what's absolutely crazy is that, again, our culture, kind of the highest good, I feel like, in our culture right now is you do you. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Paul is saying is God's judgment. Mm-hmm. You do right. you is the judgment that he is giving to us. And we as a culture go, that's the best thing we could do is us do whatever mm-hmm. we want to do. And Paul's saying that's exactly the wrath of yeah. God. How how countercultural is the truth of God in Scripture? Yeah. And then you'd have to think then how how difficult this message is to hear. Yeah. Even in our churches, it's, I mean, we haven't preached Romans. I mean, we, we may have discussed verses out of Romans. We haven't gone through the book of Romans yeah. in the 30 years that I've been a part of this thing, mm-hmm. or that this thing's been... Not systematically, anyway. Yeah. yeah. And... 
because it's so like that truth is so hard to hear. It is that that no one is no one is righteous. No one seeks after God. Like mm-hmm. that that's painful. And then when you go, well, what's the end result of that? Is then the wrath of God poured out? That sounds terrible. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to go to that church. No, don't tell me something else. Tell me something that's well. You have to know that first. Yes. To realize right. that there's good news. Like, what mm. are you saved yeah. from then? Well, I'm saved from bad stuff happening in the world. No, mm, maybe, but not really. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's not the end game is to be saved from, to have a, you know. It's like, you know, that doctor told me I had cancer. I'm not going back to that doctor. <laughs> that guy's a jerk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah, it's terrible news, but he's also a good doctor. So. It, is, it is like, even though the gospel is is great news, yeah. and it, it is it is the power of salvation for everyone who believes, you know, um, it's also has the offensive aspect because it tells you that you need to be saved. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you actually need this. You it's know? great news because it's <laughs> yeah. bad news. Yeah. And, and so mainly what we're talking about today is this bad news. We've exchanged, right. uh, we've exchanged two different things. And we're going to exchange a third thing here, uh, at the end of chapter one, we see, we, uh, we exchange Verse 28, 28. And since we did not see fit, or since they, we could say we, but and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up, this is the third, get, giving them up, to debased mind and to things that should not be done. They're filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, craftiness. They're gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, because there's we just Come new, up with ways, new ways, with new ways to do it. And rebellious towards parents. Like, the old ways. <laughs> that's like everybody's ways, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I laugh because it's like, wait a minute, why is that thrown in there? Because there's no one. There is no one who is without sin. Because it is wickedness to disobey your parents. Yep. I mean. Foolish, <laughs> foolishness, uh, faithless, heartless, ruthless. They know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. And if that's not enough, yet they not only do them, but even applaud others who practice them. Mm. Again, just heaviness, weightiness. But again, we have now seen, we've uh, exchanged another thing, which is knowledge of God. Knowing Him, having a relationship with Him. An intimacy, intimacy right, with of, him. of Him. And we've exchanged that for what? A, just a debased mind of nothingness. Literally, he's like, you've, if all this isn't bad enough, you've just traded knowing God for not knowing God. That's, yeah. to Ignorance. me, it's just the dumbest one. Yeah. It's like... God, I, I'd rather know nothing than know you. There's nothing to replace you with. I'd just rather know nothing than you. That's the madness of sin, mm. right? And mm. that's why it's like he... he. And then we fill that emptiness and that void with whatever, again, that we want to, mm-hmm. our own truth and our own way of life. Yeah. And that's the result is verses 30, whatever, 29 through 30. Right. And so that we don't... Like, I don't want to... Uh, labor here too long, but yeah. uh, chapter two then begins with this uh, literary device called a diatribe, just where you have these this interactions, kind of this question and answer is yeah, a very, yeah, yeah. very popular way of writing uh, and even speaking in the, the first century, but it's also something that we, we understand when you, oh, here's a question, here's the answer. Mm-hmm. So it seems pretty clear. Uh, and so we get some of these questions then, um, you know, do you, we know that God's judgment uh or he says, you say, we know that God's judgment on those who do such things is in accordance with the truth. Do you imagine, whoever you are, that when you judge those who do such things, then you do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? So it sounds like he's now turning this maybe towards the Jewish audience and saying, mm-hmm. you know, hey, I mean, don't think you're so great yet. Right. If it's not enough bad news yet, hey, it's not 
the Jewish people, you don't you don't get a pass. This is bad for everybody. Um, yeah. But then we get to that verse in, in chapter two, verse four, which you referenced mm-hmm. a second ago. But is the the glimmer of hope right here in all of this is that um, do you not realize that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Let's just talk about repentance for a minute while we're in this section. Yeah. Because often we hear that as like a bad word in the church. You know, oh, yeah. you need to repent, or you see it on a sign, repent, repent. <laughs> and it's like that sounds terrible, but give us the good news and what the kindness of God that leads us to repent. Turn around. Turn around. That's what <laughs> that they should be on the highway, you know. Mm-hmm. We should re- turn yeah. around. Repent. Um, man, it's just I see repentance as a a whole new lifestyle and it and it's turning away from the things that lead to death and turning toward the only one who who creates life, sustains life, redeems life. Um, you know, it's yeah. <laughs> we turned away in the beginning with with our first parents, Adam and Eve, you know, and and they turned away from again the creator and sustainer of life. Um, and I guess the, the good part of that, the good that comes out of that is then now we know God not just as the creator and sustainer, but also the redeemer mm-hmm. of life. But um, repentance is that turning away. Like if we turned away from life, the only thing we could turn to is is not life, you know. And so yep. repentance is is it's life giving. Like it should not be a bad word. It should be should be mm-hmm. joyful, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. um, but but it is can be humiliating, mm-hmm. you know. Like yeah. it, it takes recognizing you're wrong that you're literally walking the right way. Maybe you've known your. I mean, the wrong way. Maybe you've known that you've been walking mm-hmm. the wrong way. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you just turn around, turn back to mm-hmm. the sustainer of life mm-hmm. um, instead of the things that lead to death. You know? Yeah, that, that's a beautiful example of the kind of the GPS thing. Because, you know, if you, you put in the <laughs> coordinates, all right, uh, eternity with God is my coordinates, right? That's where I want to go. <laughs> and at least my GPS, when it's talking to me, it's, you know, when I get off on the wrong turn, it's like, make a U-turn. It's like, make a U-turn <laughs> hey, at the next light. Yeah. Back on. And then it's like, if yeah. I don't do it, then it goes, to me, it's like escalates. <laughs> <laughs> to make a U-turn, make a U-turn. You're going the wrong way. You're not going to get where you want to go this way, you know. And like, yeah. Finally, you turn it back around. It's like it almost sighs. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. You're going the right direction again. Finally, yeah. you've repented. You've turned around. You've you got. C.S. Lewis, right. he gives that example in, uh, I believe it's in Mere Christianity, and he talks about this with like, a GPS. Not a GPS, <laughs> but yeah. something like a map. You know, this was in yeah. the '40s. You know. <laughs> Yeah, but he says, uh, you know, when you're going the wrong way, it doesn't help to continue going straight, to, go, to continue going forward. Right. He's like, it seems like regression to go back, to go, to turn around, right? Yeah. He's like, it, if you're going the wrong way, the more forward you go, the more wrong you are, mm-hmm. you know? And he's just painting that picture. So you yeah. have to turn around. You yeah. have to go back the way you came at first and then figure out, get back on the path, right? Mm-hmm. And figuring it out or getting back on the path in this case would just simply be, okay recognizing and confessing the glory of God over these other things, right. the truth of God over these other lies, yeah. the knowledge and relationship with God that I can have through Jesus mm-hmm. over my own way of life and, yeah. and that kind that's of thing. That's his kindness. That's right? his kindness. Like, oh, his kindness. That's what I want to get back to that. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, kindness. it hurts. That's, you know, it's it is debasing and humiliating when you yeah. go, oh, my entire look at the look at the Apostle Paul. Okay. <laughs> I think his is a great example of who wrote this, mm-hmm. a great example of that repentant moment of what happens to him when he meets Jesus? He doesn't eat for three days. Mm-hmm. I think that's depression. Like, I think it was, like, he, he goes blind. He has to be led to where he's going, to Damascus, and then he doesn't eat for three days. Which like, is on this Straight dude, Street, by the way. <laughs> yeah. This dude, yeah. That's good. literally on Straight Street. This dude, his whole way of life fell apart. Right? Mm-hmm. And he knows. 
I just met the one I'm persecuting. He says that to him. You persecuted me, Paul. It's like, and so repentance for him, and it's humiliating. Mm-hmm. It is almost depressing to the point of like, I've built my life on lies is what he knows. I, I, your identity's wrong. Your entire <laughs> identity's wrong. Philippians 3, he talks about that, right? So that is, and it was horrible. But then he, I know Paul would tell you because he does tell us how beautiful it is on the other side of that. I want to now get back to Philippians 3. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, to becoming like him in his death. So somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead, it's like I my entire life was changing. Yeah, I didn't eat for three days, but then I found and met Jesus and I know him and I'm walking in him. And there's more joy in that than there could ever be anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Repentance is hard, but it's the most beautiful, wonderful thing yeah. in the whole world. Yeah. And somehow in that story, Paul, re- he, he realizes all that he was doing before. Mm-hmm. Like he just was maybe for the wrong reason. Yeah. Right. Like he, he is goes, the guy in chapter two, right? He's the Jew. Yeah. He's the, yeah. But he's going, man, I had all these things. Mm-hmm. I had the law and the prophets and the uh, the oracles. And yeah. you know, we had all these yeah. good things that should have led I us to Christ. Yes. But instead, I was killing people who believed in Christ. Yeah. So now I consider it garbage. I was legalistically righteous. And I consider it garbage. <laughs> Based compared to the surpassing value. Yeah. Value, glory, right? Mm. Value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Philippians 3, y'all go read it. It's good stuff. <laughs> <sighs> All right, so I, I, we probably just got to fast forward through through two here, yes. even though there's great verses. Just for, you know, 2.13 is, where it's not the hearers of the law who are righteous in God's sight, but the mm. doers of the law who will be in the, justified. There's kind of the hint yep, to this yep. uh, language we're going to start using in, in next week. Uh, is this justification, and what does that mean? And we'll talk about that next week. Yep. Um, he, he talks about it's not a person who's a Jew on, who's outwardly or mm-hmm. external or physical a Jew. It's it's a the person who's a Jew is one who's inwardly. Their heart has been circumcised. It's a spiritual yep. uh, thing. And then we get into chapter three, and right before we get to the good news, we still hear that you know there's no one who is righteous, not even one. No one who has understanding. No one who seeks God. All have turned aside. All are worthless. <laughs> no yeah. one is kind. No one. Yeah, uh, but then in three twenty we get where it says no human being will be justified in his sight by by deeds bes- prescribed by the law. It's hard for me to say. Uh, no human will be justified in his sight by deeds prescribed by the law, for through the law comes knowledge of sin, consciousness of sin. So yeah. the law was there to show us you can't get there yeah. from here. One of the best illustrations I've ever heard of the law versus the gospel, right, would be the law is an x-ray, and the gospel, or Jesus, really is the surgeon. So the x-ray yeah. goes, something's broken. Mm-hmm. The x-ray can't fix it. That's the law. Mm-hmm. It was never meant to fix it. It was just to show you, this is broken. You're, you're, you're sinful, and you need a Savior. But then the gospel, and Jesus is, the surgeon comes in, says, I can fix it. Let me get in there and fix it. So the x-ray is sort of the external thing that shows you the internal, but you can't do anything about it. <laughs> I, lo- I just like that illustration. Yeah, it's a good way of thinking about it. Yeah, if it shows your ankle's broken, and yet at the same time it shows you you're supposed to be walking. Like this is how you're supposed to be walking, <laughs> yeah. you know, and yeah. it really doesn't yeah. fix it. Like, can't do anything for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, I know we've covered sin and sinfulness. We kind of touched on wrath. Do we want to just... We might need to understand that so that we don't use the word as just straight-up anger, and that's all it is. It's apart from love or it's apart from justice. Um, you know, I, we could get into some theology here. I don't want to get too deep, but sometimes I think we think of God as like, well, he's mad now that he's happy over here, <laughs> yeah. or he's just here, and then he's doing something different over here, yeah. when, in fact, it's all somehow one thing. 
Like yeah. love itself. Yeah. If God is love. Somehow wrath is a part of that without being anti-love, you know? Right. Wrath being a focused and just and right expression of God towards sin, mm-hmm. towards wickedness, towards unrighteousness. Um to, you're right. I mean, there's certain ways that it's hard for us to understand, I think, and even explain because we got to use words like anger. I mean, there is anger. There's God hates sin. Right. He does. And he must punish sin and he must justly do away with sin or he wouldn't be a just God. I'm getting right. ahead a little bit to next yeah, week because yeah. that's the next paragraph. I love that Paul goes into that and just goes, mm. let me show you why the cross was so necessary mm-hmm. because God does hate sin and his wrath couldn't just be done away with it had to it had to be poured out on sin because mm-hmm. he's a just god and sin is right. injustice and unrighteousness and, un- and unholiness so but yeah i mean but we can't divorce his wrath from his love like you said and mm-hmm. god, god is love um but it's it's sort of inherent in it i would say you know to think because he's love and because he's holy mm-hmm. and he is light god is light first john one five um that uh, his wrath is implicit in that against sin to do away with and rightly judge, rightly judge, mm-hmm. without there being um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like God, God's not unthinking. He's not. Uh, he's not. He's not wrathful in the sense of flying off the handle. Right, an uncontrolled rage. Uncontrolled rage. Yeah, right. yeah, that's not it. I don't see his wrath as that at all. Um, versus like God is. God is always rational and right in in his judgments. So. And in control, like, in control, yeah, yeah. We, if you just think about any time you are feeling, I never say I'm feeling wrathful right now, <laughs> but I'm angry. I'm I'm furious about mm-hmm. something, and mm-hmm. and like we have to check ourselves, you know, to make sure we don't do anything in our anger that we're definitely going to regret. Like, right. like if mm-hmm. um, um, one of my kids is is doing whatever the biggest things that they'll get in trouble for is like lying um mm-hmm. or just like if charlie's being a jerk to rowan or something <laughs> like that um yeah. but like if if it ends up i don't know if we should talk about spanking i know that's kind of <laughs> controversial but if it ends up um having to be like she has to get spanking i i try not to give her a spanking right away because i don't want to do anything while i'm still in this moment of, right. of anger like yes. i have to check myself right. um and then but before like i make sure like you know, I'm in control. Um, like I'm not spanking her just because I'm angry and like, you know, like I have to let this out or something, you mm-hmm. know, like that's not it. Like, yeah. and with God, like he's, he's always in control. He, like you said, yeah. it's not like he's just like, ah, I have to get this out. You know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's his character that, that demands it. It's his holiness mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. demands it. And, and I, I look at, um, like Proverbs 17, you said some somebody has to put that because he's holy, because his character demands that, like somebody has to receive that wrath. Um, and Proverbs 17, 15, it says, God, God hates those who proclaim the guilty as innocent. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, what you're doing is good. Like, no, God, God's not just going to say, oh, you're good. I snapped my fingers. Everybody's mm-hmm. fine now. No, he says he, he hates any mm-hmm. judge who, who approves the guilty and then condemns the innocent. Yeah, yeah. The um, in that same vein, and and along with parenting, mm-hmm. uh, years ago, I think Annabeth was like five or something like that, six. She was old enough to know, and and lying was a big deal with us. Like that was a right. we don't do that. Like there's a lot of things you can not be punished yeah. for, disciplined. Uh, but in this case, she was caught in a lie, and so we went to her room, and we had a sad spoon, a little wooden spoon with a <laughs> frowny <laughs> face on it, like right. 
And that was the, we didn't spank with our hands. We used this little thing. And, and it wish wasn't. my dad would have used a spoon. <laughs> I know. We took it the backside oh, of a belt. I wish a spoon was, yes. But anyway, so we're sitting down and we're talking. And I was like, you know, you know you did wrong. She said, yes, I know I did wrong. And I was like, well, what's the, what's our punishment for that? Like, what is the, something has to happen to make this just and right. And she goes, I know I'm supposed to get a spanking. And I was like, okay. So here, I gave her the spoon. I said, all right, I'm going to take your punishment for you. Spank me. Here you go. You can take it out on me. Mm-hmm. And she started crying. I was like, no, really, like, I'll take your punishment. I'm like, you learned your lesson, mm-hmm. but there's punishment still needs to be doled out. Punishment has to happen. So here, you, you, you can spank me now. And she wouldn't do it, right? Yeah. And then, of course, I didn't spank her either, which is going to blow up the analogy. <laughs> but nevertheless, I was like, I was like, into her, I said, that's, that's what Christ has done in forgiveness for us. He's like, he took that punishment yeah. that was due to it. We, it was due to us. We did the wrong thing, and we needed to be punished for that. And Christ took that for us, you know. And uh, and now she calls me Jesus, you know, all the time instead of dad. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's so <laughs> sacrilegious. I don't know. Uh, but look, okay, so why did the tears come for her in that moment? Yeah. She knew that yes. someone else was taking her punishment. It was yeah. due her. Because yeah. there was bad news. Right. And then she heard good news, and she felt the weight of it, I, th- I believe. You know, as a six-year-old, I'm sure I'm putting yeah. thoughts in her mind. But, but I was saying, I, I'm doing this because I love Yes, you. yes. Yeah. His <laughs> kindness is meant to lead us to repentance, right. right? And that is the beauty of the gospel, that we know this to be true. That's why these chapters are so convicting, and so that's why we hate these chapters. Mm-hmm. If people are going to leave a church over these chapters, they're not leaving it because they think it's not true. Right. It's They're too, leaving it because it's, it's too, too true. true. And they don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Jesus said this in John 3. Like people people hate the light because the darkness is what they love. Mm-hmm. They love to continue in sin. And it, even first John says, the darkness has blinded their eyes. Yeah. Like they love it so much that that's what they want to cling to. And but man, when we see and and can confess that okay, this is true of me, mm. but then we see the good news of Jesus and mm. how beautiful and wonderful that that really, really is. Man, that is what makes I don't know about y'all, but what makes me weep is those kinds of things. The mm-hmm. grace of God. I will weep over the grace of God far easier than I will weep over thinking of the wrath of God. Like that makes me weep because I see I deserve the wrath, but I mm-hmm. see his grace. Yeah. And um man. I think somehow in all of us that's embedded in us too. Like yeah. we know that. We know when some justice, like yeah. justice is kind of embedded in us. We know when we do wrong, something should happen, or someone else does wrong. Mm-hmm. We have this innate Mm-hmm. Like, you can't steal that. That's mm-hmm. not fair. You can't take my stuff. You know, we, yeah. There's some, it's just what's called natural law, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's, it comes from somewhere and it comes from the objective truth of, you know, God and his word. Yeah. All right. Some uh, reflection questions yeah. for us. We only have two, thank goodness, since we've talked a long time about wrath and sin. <laughs> uh, our first one is though in this section uh, is particularly in 1, 18 through 32. Paul shows us three different categories of exchanges that we all make in our sinful nature. We exchange the glory of God for images, the truth of God for a lie, and the knowledge of God for ignorance. Can you give an example of a way in which you might have um, made one of these exchanges in your life? I'll say for me, um, I think I lived a while with... uh, uh, So, of course, let's just say this up front. Of course, he's really describing everybody apart from Jesus, right? Like, this is just our lives. But I would say even in our relationship with Christ as Christians, we still continue to wrestle with these exchanges. Mm-hmm. I think we can agree with that, right? Like the, these exchanges, it's not like they just go away. Like mm-hmm. we don't have to wrestle with it. So I would say even in my Christian life, um, I, I was baptized, became a Christian at eight years old and I knew Jesus and I walked with him, but 
definitely had a struggle, I would say, through young adulthood of probably that knowledge of him for ignorance, of just like ignoring him and not being willing to really make the pursuit of him as he pursued me. Um, being like in the blissful ignorance, you know, mm-hmm. I remember it wasn't probably until college where I started to really dig into the nature of my own sin and learning how to kill sin. You know what I'm saying? Like really walking that out in discipleship. So that was mine. I, I, I definitely think, and of course we've all done all these exchanges in different ways of mm-hmm. idolatry in our lives or whatever, but I, I definitely think that that played a huge role in my life until that young adulthood time where I really started to think about Man, the the more I can know God and walk in relationship with Him, the more I am convicted of sin and want to kill sin. Mm-hmm. Romans eight in my life, mortify the deeds of the flesh. Uh, it's Romans eight thirteen. So, yeah, that was for me. Mm-hmm. Um, just not being ignorant of Him and His Word, like being more of a student of His Word, so that I can know Him, right? So that I could walk that out. So. Mm. Any, any exchanges you feel like you've made, Cam? My yeah, my I would say like it's that same category of um, knowing God for mm-hmm. ignorance, or at least knowing the truth of God for. Um, and, and the thing is, is like really, I already knew what the truth was. Like I knew that confession to another fellow believer for for different lies, things I'd done in my life, like they were things that I needed to do. But I was content. I thought, I thought just to confess it to the Lord. Um, but a lot of those things I kept on struggling with. And um, Bonhoeffer says, if you think you're confessing your sins to the Lord and yet you're not seeing any fruit, you're not, you're still struggling with the same thing. Maybe you're not uh, confessing to the Lord. You're confessing to yourself and forgiving yourself. <laughs> um, and so, like he talks about, confess it mm-hmm. to another believer because where two or more are gathered, like he's there mm-hmm. with them, right mm-hmm. there in that place. You know, without a doubt, you know. And, Anyways, I knew that he was calling me to confession. I knew James talked about confession. I knew First John talked about confession. Um, I've come to know that that uh, Leviticus and Numbers talk about confession and making amends to the people that you've wronged or sinned against. Um, and so I avoided those books um, for a while, you know, just because I, I, I knew. And so it was like, I, I kind of know what the truth is, but I'm, I'm going to try and take it for ignorance. Like, I know it's somewhere um, toward the end of James, but I'm just, I'm not going to read those because I know that if I do then I'm going to experience the conviction mm. the the weightiness you know and um and and so it was just trying to avoid that mm. um anyways now I love confession <laughs> it's humiliating too but what I do yeah. love it yeah yeah um, that's good humiliating isn't that like to make you human again yeah reminded yeah of yeah that? yeah okay yeah, it's the most humiliating and healing thing yeah. and maybe not the most healing thing but it's humiliating and healing after the fact Hey guys, so we just finished up, uh, Cameron was just finishing up question one for our questions for reflection, and uh, we had some technical difficulty and we lost audio for question number two, Uh, and so instead of kind of trying to reenact that or to just show the video with just a bunch of talking that you can't hear, I thought I would just ask question two for us and then let you guys talk about it in your small group or you can just do that on your own at home. So the the question is, after after we've talked about what is sin, um, what is wrath, all of these hard, difficult topics, and then the way in which we uh, exchange these things, we exchange the truth for a lie. Um, the, the, the second question then is just, what should our response be when we read this section? When we reflect on this, this section of Paul's letter to the Romans, what should our response be? And so that's really what we want you to talk about in your small groups, or maybe just spend some time thinking about, you know, what should my response be when I hear 
what I've truly done uh, apart from Christ. I've exchanged the truth for a lie. I've, um, I, I, I want something different than what I say I want. Um, let's reflect on that, uh, see what it is uh, that's in our hearts, uh, and then we're going to want to repent of that. You can do that on your own. You can do it here at church on Sunday. You can do it with your small group. Um, but if I could ask anything of you personally, it's just tune in next week. Uh, be at church next Sunday. Tune in at the After Church Podcast next week. Check out eastridge.church slash Romans uh, because next week, week four of this series, is the good news. It is the gospel. So we've talked about all this sin and bad stuff, but man, there's really good news on the other side of this. So tune in next week. Can't wait to see you guys then.